There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Welcome to the Future Positive Podcast where we bring you the most future-forward topics covering everything from AI to avatars to climate change and more. If you're into data-driven optimism, this is the podcast for you. Today, my guest is Sergey Young. Hi, Peter. Hi, everyone. We're here at XPRIZE headquarters, and this is a podcast conversation that I think is of interest to every living person who wants to have a longer, healthier life. But before we dive in, Allow me to introduce uh, Sergey. So, uh, Sergey is on a mission to impact a billion lives, and he has the X Prize ethos in his mind, in his blood, DNA. Yeah, in his DNA. Uh, Sergey is one of our innovation board members here at the X Prize Foundation. Uh, he is uh, the sponsor of our Age Reversal X Prize prize design, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. He is the founder of the Longevity Vision Fund, which has a few hundred million dollars and growing. Because I think people realize that, uh, you know, in terms of huge markets on the planet, longevity and giving people longevity is one of the biggest. And most recently, Sergey, you're the author of a book called The Science and Technology of Growing Young, uh, being released uh, August of 2021. And I'm very proud to be uh in the book as one of your proponents, uh, the forward by myself and Ray Kurzweil. So, pal, welcome to XPRIZE headquarters. Welcome to uh, Future Positive. Thanks, Peter. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Yeah. So, let's let's dive in. Um, you know, when did you first get excited about the concept of longevity? Um, well, the way we developed the interest to health and longevity usually comes from circumstances, uh, which I would define like a shock. So when my father got cancer back in 2005, he survived. But obviously, the, the deterioration of his uh, health and condition uh, is still there. Mm -hmm. So he kind of shrunk in size, but almost like one third wow. as a man. So that's my first wake up call. And then second, yeah, I have high cholesterol problem like 40 people 40 percent of people on on the planet so that's just the other kind of negative event mm -hmm. which put me into this alert mode in regards to what what can i do for everyone in terms of extending healthy and happy portion of of our life well that's that's you know it's all came from 
And when we talk about longevity, uh, I think we speak the common language, which mm-hmm. is not, it's not about drooling and living in a wheelchair till you're 120. Yeah. <laughs> it really is about having a, uh, a vital uh, life, right? It's, uh, it's exactly. feeling good and it's- Exactly. Yeah. So I'm always talking about healthy and happy years, yeah. which I want to add. In some of the cases, I, I do think we have an opportunity to add at least 20, 25 years, but we're going to see more and more of these opportunities in the next decade or so. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, if you look at longevity over the human race, mm-hmm. right, how long the average human uh, would live, do you have those numbers? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. So, uh, probably like 150 years ago, the average lifespan on Earth was around 30 mm-hmm. years. And uh, right now, if you look at developed world, it's uh, somewhere around 75 to 85 years, depending on the country. Well, that's that's beautiful. That's great. That's a that's a great progress. Yeah, two and a half, three times. Almost, yeah. yeah. So that's that's a, a good news. Well, the bad news: the maximum lifespan is still the same through centuries. So the oldest living person, uh, woman on Earth, uh, she died, I think, back in 1999. Um, died in the age of 122 years. Mm-hmm. So we're still at the stage that we're facing this kind of sound barrier mm. of the limit for human lifespan around 120 years. And that's my aim. Because what we've done in terms of increasing Breaking, lifespan- uh, your, your, your aim is- Is to break the sound barrier of 122 years Got for that. us to be able to live 150, 200 years yeah. uh, in, in a healthy and uh, happy state. So the way we've done- uh, increase in the li- average lifespan. We've been just avoiding early death. And that was the whole premise of increasing the lifespan and health span so far. So we need to change that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Uh, when we think about what kills people early, um, it used to be uh, disease and we ended up with uh, antibiotics. It used to be uh, infections from uh, you know sewage systems and we ended up with, with better sanitation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then bugs, we ended up with penicillin and so forth. Um, and then what were the next killers? Uh, cancer? Yeah, so somewhere around 55 to 65 on average, you're facing the other barrier, which is cancer. Mm-hmm. Heart disease yep. um, is another one, almost around this age. So we we actually right in the middle of the victory yeah. uh, against those two barriers. And well, that's the beauty of that. Like 20 years ago, cancer was case of that. People were deferring the date of their cancer screening because if, if you knew you have cancer, it's like, well, you're going to survive for another six to 12 months. It's not anymore. It's still very complicated and difficult disease, but we get in there. So that's, that's the one barrier that we hopefully successfully overcoming right now. And the next one, which awaits for us, is neurogenerative diseases. Yeah, like Alzheimer's uh, yeah, and so forth. Yes, yeah. somewhere around uh, 80 to 90 years. And because we've never really approached uh, this problem on a large scale, it's only with increase of the lifespan on a few uh, last decades, we're now facing this barrier. So we don't know a lot about neurogenerative diseases like dementia, Alzheimer, et cetera, but we get in there as well. So uh, let's talk about your fund, um, which I love the name, uh, the Longevity Vision Fund, uh, and also your book and the reason that you that you created both. 
Yeah. So everything I do in longevity is is uh, me sharing the best of myself with the world. I, I, I when I found this mission to change one billion lives by bringing affordable and accessible version of uh, healthcare and longevity to the world, my life has changed. Mm. So and then. As I'm an investor with 20 years of experience, I thought the best way to support the space would be to set up uh, like a small fund mm -hmm. to have an opportunity to support entrepreneurs, companies who are about to make the change in, in, in our ability to live longer and healthier life. So I thought it's just going to be very small fund, like $50 million fund, which in financial industry terms is insignificant. But then uh, I raised first 50 millions in the first five minutes. So <laughs> as insecure overachiever, I thought, yeah, I'll just need to move the target to 100 million. So it took a little bit longer to raise. This is not my money. This is money of investors yes. who trust me, but not only in terms of investment judgment, but also in terms of their desire to be the first in terms of understanding what is happening in the place, but also making the world a better place. So I always tell them, guys, if you are trying to make financial returns, don't go to and don't invest in an LVF, a longevity vision fund. So it should be a combination of missions. And one of this is, is uh, bringing all this technology at, at a very democratic prices, very, in a very affordable and accessible way to the world. It's been the biggest um, success in my investment life. We invested in 16 companies from early cancer diagnostic like Freenom mm -hmm. to use of artificial intelligence and drug discovery like in Silica Medicine, our good friend Alex Javoronkov, um, to gene therapy. And we're now looking, you know, we're now even looking at human avatars as a, as a way to extend our life. Well, I don't know, in robotic or in virtual. Right. Uh, form. It's been a great door opener. People love the idea that we can support them not only with words, but also with capital. And we, and we Peter, and the audience, so we're looking at uh, 200 companies a year yeah. to invest in 10, in 10 of them. It's just enormous um, volume of information, knowledge, and our ability to navigate in what is happening in longevity space and how we would like to direct the progress there. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, the idea of investing in longevity uh, is a rather new idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. people would have laughed at the idea of, what do you mean longevity? It's people die, right? There's entire government systems and religious systems built around death as being normal. But yeah, now, exactly. now there are conversations around the idea that aging is a disease yeah. that can be slowed or stopped or even reversed. It should be addressed as well. Exactly. So when we launched the fund, I think it was February 2019, um, we had a, uh, we wanted to meet with a few large company in the healthcare space. And they were like, well, Sergey, we kind of like you guys, but we don't want to be associated with the idea of age reversal or longevity. So that was the premise uh, back then. With 100 million fund, we became, the, the, at this time, and we, we probably still is, the largest longevity-focused fund in the world. And this is not to show how great we are. This is to show how fragile and immature the overall industry is. In the course of last two years, there's been enormous change. I think we're starting to realize that 
we are at the point of time in our evolution where breakthroughs in science and technology finally give us the opportunity to create uh, technologies and science which can ex significantly extend our lifespan and health span, but also make it uh, viable in economic terms. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm amazed at how many people are resistant to the idea uh, of of a long and healthy life. Oh yeah, and, and it's and it, it drives it me is. nuts. It is. So I, I give a lot of thought on that. And then remember we, when we met in Vatican, I think it was back in the, yeah, we had spring an, 2018. We had an X Prize uh, adventure trip for our benefactors uh, at the Vatican, hosted by the Pope. Yeah, you know? yeah, that was pretty cool. But I do remember your presentation, and when you when you asked like who here in the audience would like to extend their life to you know at least uh, 120, 120 yeah, years, yeah, yeah. and it was the biggest shock for me because I'm I'm kind of I, I have X Prize DNA, so yeah. I thought it's going to be hundred out of hundred. Yeah, have, I did too. I thought everyone yeah. was going to raise their hand. Yeah, I mean we had we had an audience of a few hundred people, yeah. scientists, physicians, also theologians, Doctors, and so forth. Yeah. And and what was your guess at how many people raised their hand? Yeah, so I thought it's going to be again 100 out of 100 yeah. uh, but I was probably like 15 yeah. percent it was the biggest shock for me actually uh, in addition to uh, audience with the pop um, it was like the biggest shock for me the biggest impression from this trip so I started to think about this and yeah. uh, actually developing the this separate chapter in the book it's actually the final chapter called morality of immortality this is the name of the session yeah, that we had right. back I, in Vatican I, I named I named it I also flipped it and said besides the morality of immortality it's the immorality of yeah. mortality yeah. yeah yeah well that's 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 exactly the final words of the yeah. book saying it's it's just immoral to do nothing with that mm. so I'm, I was working on that so and and what I'm thinking about that we have created technologies to extend our life but still we haven't created a life that we want to extend we have a lot of limiting beliefs in regards to how our life in the old age or when we're going to live to 120 or 150 years will look like and that's that's a problem because we're just extending the current paradigm when you are in the last five to ten years you're in, in really fragile stage of your life when you require a lot of support and, and this is what we want to change we i, I don't want to add 20 years to someone to the end of someone's life i just want to insert it right in the middle right similar to crispr and uh -huh. add another 20 25 healthy and happy years in our most productive age probably anywhere between 25 and 45 years so that's the plan and that's the biggest limiting belief there's a number of other limiting beliefs like overpopulation where where the food will come from but with exponential men mentality and understanding how disruptive mm -hmm. and beautiful uh, new technologies are I, I do think we can solve a lot of issues around that yeah and, and I, I agree with you and just for our for our listeners I mean uh, the vision that Sergey myself uh, David Sinclair George Church other uh, individuals have isn't that you're going to be, you know, spending an extra 30 years at the very end uh, uh, drooling in a wheelchair in pain. Uh, the idea is how do you have the cognition so you're thinking clearly, the aesthetic so you look good, the mobility so you feel and can move well that you've had in your 40s and 50s and continue yeah. that for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. In, in fact, my mantra mm -hmm. is to live 200 years 
in the body of 25 years old man. Yeah, and <laughs> and that should be the objective. And the science today, and we'll talk about this, um, supports that uh, that may be possible. That may be possible. And I might be a shocker to folks. The other limiting thing that uh, people have that I think they need to address is purpose. Exactly. If you're if you're going to live another 20, 30, 50, 100 years, do you have the purpose, the drive to keep you alive, to be have the mindset of a youthful, um, excited, uh, you know, open to amazing experiences? Yeah, I think you're right, Peter. And and every time we talk about our health, there is like a default mode for us to think about physical health. Mm-hmm. And I do think the mental component of this is is equally important and sometimes even more important than that. So that's why in my longevity buckets framework, like five longevity buckets of what are the things that you can do today, there's a separate piece uh, called peace of mind, mm-hmm. which address uh, everything from sleep, meditation, your social realization and sense of purpose and gratefulness. Because I don't want to live more years if if I'm not in a happy state. And that's exactly the, the point. Yeah. It's the idea that suffering is optional. Uh, yeah. 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 This is your choice. Yeah. So uh, so that's that's the Longevity Vision Fund, and uh, I'm very proud that you know we've partnered through my fund, uh, Bold Capital, and we we co-invest in this. Yeah, in fact, first two investments came through Bold. Yeah, so I'm th- thankful for that. And it's uh, I I think ultimately uh, you still can't take it with you, and so yeah. it's uh, it's going to become the largest business on on the planet. Meaning, once this technology exists, uh, who wouldn't pay? most of what they have mm-hmm. for an extra 20, 30 healthy yeah. years if you really have the vitality of that. Um, let's talk about your book. Um, uh, would you give me the overview of, of what it covers? Yeah. So longevity and and overall health, uh, specifically in recent years, became a pretty, um, well, it, it's a space with a lot of confusion, a lot of contradictory messages. And what I wanted to do is... Um, to write a book which will give more clarity to the public and to broader group of people, to our population, about what expects us in the next 10 to 20 years on one side. On the other side, what you can do today to stay on longevity bridge, to enjoy the benefits of this technology. So I structure this in three horizons, like horizon one is what you can do today. Yes. And that's uh, early cancer diagnostic. This is your lifestyle changes. This is supplements if you fan of supplements. Mm. Uh, this is your wearables, which became personalized healthcare devices. Right? Yes. So I, I have at least four of them. I just done my check a- annual checkup in human longevity this Tuesday. I was there yesterday. Yeah. So uh, brilliant results. I'm 49. I'm full of different sensors. Like I have zero patch on my chest for another 10 uh, uh, days. So that's that's great and reassuring. So that's Horizon 1. Yes. Just a lot of things that you can uh, do today. Horizon 2, and this is the, like 70% of the books, and uh, is about what are the technologies, what are the pieces of science which will give us breakthroughs in the next, again, 10 to 20 years to, to break the sound barrier of human lifespan of 122 years for us to be able to enjoy more decades on earth. And I'm very excited about a few of them so we can cover it today, 
like things like gene editing and gene therapy, sure. organ regeneration, longevity in the pill. I do think we have a number of longevity drug candidates mm -hmm. at the moment in the world, some of them generic one like metformin. And then the last part of the book, probably 20% um, of that, is just about really long-term future. I call it horizon three. So this is like 25 to 50 years from now. How our, and it's, I'm trying to take a look at how our life will look like when we're all gonna be living 200 years. And it's two components of that one, what kind of technologies that we we need to be aware of, which will you know, give us this opportunity? And these are like human avatars, uh, human brain AI integration. This is internet of body concept as well. So that's one piece of that. And the other piece is morality of immortality that we just discussed, how we need to change the world, how we need to change the ethics of society. What are the choices that we need to go through to make sure we enjoy this life? No, as as a human beings, but also as is is a you know overall population of uh, the planet. So that's the idea. I start with longevity revolution. Like, what are these seven signs that longevity revolution is coming? And then we just finish in twenty five to fifty years from now, mm -hmm. uh, in completely different world. So let's talk about these three uh, horizons, these three bridges. Um, you know, the first one, because obviously I too yeah. uh, write about, think about, invest in, and care about this. And just for our listeners, it's really important. Uh, our job right now as individuals who are interested in this is uh, to remain as healthy as possible to intercept what's coming down in the next decade, right? Right. This is an amazing decade ahead. And and that that is about, uh, I think we'll agree on, it's exercise sleep, yep. the right diet, and yep. the right mindset. Yeah, yeah exactly. Those four things? Yeah, so I, I use five buckets. It's okay. actually like a bonus chapter in the book. It's actually two times larger than any other chapter in the book. It's called your 10 longevity choices. But if you wanna Please. nail it down to five, so five buckets, and, and I use this framework when I do my uh, corporate longevity programs with largest corporations on earth. The mm -hmm. largest I've done I've changed life of 300,000 people in 29 countries. I couldn't you know, use the name of the institution. It's a huge financial institution. And I do it for free again. Um, so what we do, we change the life of the employees uh, under like this five longevity buckets framework. So one is your annual checkups. Yeah, your, your monitoring of your health. And when I have 30 seconds of longevity, this is the thing that I'm concentrating on. I, I think this is the most important day in your life every year, the day of your health checkup. Mm -hmm. Because early detection of cancer, for example, will give you recovery rates, depending on the cancer type, from 93 to 100%. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so that's annual checkups. And we have a lot of tools already to do an early diagnostic, like we invested in a company called Freenome, similar to, to Grail. And um, they just, with a blood test, with 90 or 95% probability, you can see the early, like really early stage of the cancer, which gives you these high recovery rates. It's called a liquid biopsy. Yeah, liquid and, biopsy. And, and the question is, sometimes uh, cells from a cancer will slough off and you'll be able to pick up the DNA from even a small cancer mm -hmm. in your peripheral blood system. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm excited about this. Second piece is don't die stupid, as as yeah, you yeah, say. Yeah. I I also call it. There's a more polite version of it called passive longevity. So I mean, if you smoke and it's just statistically just minus ten years yeah. from your life, and people need to be aware of that. It's like driving it's consuming alcohol and driving this is not using seat belts in right. the car but that's some of the these choices are more kind of high-tech one so when in in five to ten years when we will have driverless cars mortality rates on the from the road accidents will go down by 10 not percent but 10 times so that's amazing statistics right so we just need to enjoy and embrace this everything that technological progress can bring to us to to influence um passive longevity. Uh, the third one is about diet. I'm heavily plant-based. Yeah. I'm, I'm not religious about not eating meat or fish, but I look at the sources uh, of that and obviously replacing... Uh, red meat. Like, yeah, red meat, uh, replacing sugar drinks with water. Yes. Uh, so that's important. Uh, fourth is exercise. And we have this mentality and, and mindset about exercise. So it's either like zero or one. So it's very binary. So you're either just sitting at your home watching football uh, on TV or you are you need to run a marathon. And I don't think we need to be binary about this whole thing. Use your wearable, whatever wearable you use. Count your steps. Like I think 10,000 steps a day would do. And then on top of that, you can always do like stretching, cardio, um, heavy lifting uh, to protect your bones and joints. Um, that's it. So that's for and fifth, as we discussed, is peace of mind. It's everything from sleep, meditation, just decreasing your cortisol level, influencing your hormonal balance. And then two much bigger things, which I call think and grow young, like psychological aspects of aging at the, or your sense of purpose, your socialization, yes. you giving more to the world that you take. It's very important. So when I created my mantra that I'm going to be living 200 years in the uh, body and mind of 25 years old man, this changed my life. So imagine every morning I wake up and there is three-fourths of my life ahead of me. I have a lot of dreams. I have a lot of plans. I have a big mission. So I'm, I, you know, I'm going to stick on this planet for uh, quite a while. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's important. Your mindset of how old you think you are changes everything. It changes who you hang out with. It changes what your vision of your future is. I won't tell people what I said is my lifespan, but um, uh, <laughs> can't it, imagine that. Yeah, it's uh, but you know it's interesting, right? There are species of life on this planet, like the bowhead whale, that can mm -hmm. live two hundred years. There's uh, the Greenland shark that can do four or five hundred years, and large sea turtles, and if they can live that long. Why can't we? And we're going to discover yeah. these. Yeah, yes, we are. And I think we're on a kind of good pace there. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, there's species that really just, they, that are not aging at all, right? So, I mean, if you look at our DNA, and I think for the last 10 years, the number of longevity genes that we discovered grew up from 300 to 3,000. So I do think with um, understanding of, of those, but also with development of uh, gene therapy and gene editing, we have an enormous point of time in the nearest future, like 10, 20 years from now, when we can actually alter and, and modify our genes for us to be uh, more healthy, uh, younger, and even reverse aging. So when we talk about radical life extension, I don't think it's going to be 
our decision when just one day you say, okay, I want to be immortal or I'm going to live 200 years. It's going to be a series of your life extension decisions every five to 10 years. Would you like to use this new technology, which is available or not? I mean, and it's really up to us. Let's talk about the second horizon. Um, in the book, you have a chapter on gene editing. Uh, so can you address the second horizon and uh, what the critical technologies yeah. are there? Yeah, so critical technologies are uh, gene editing and gene therapy. Mm -hmm. Second is organ regeneration. Third is longevity in the pill. So I'm very excited. And again, if I need to pick one, it's going to be first one. And I'm very excited how this whole space has developed in the last 20 years from our ability to sequence genome to use of gene therapy, right? Like vaccines that we have now is the outcome of you know, gene therapy work. And what I like about this is right in the beginning, gene therapy was a really mm, risky uh, kind of way to interfere with your DNA. And it's it's actually was relevant for people with very rare diseases. So we had actually very few, like hundreds of people on earth who suffer from rare uh, genetic disease. So, and then in the course of last 10 years, it's developed in, in much, much, well, it's, it's more relevant for at least half of the planet. So look at, so then it's developed into addressing the whole rare disease space. And rare disease, they're not that rare. There's, there are 400 million people on the planet who's suffering from rare disease. So that's, that's just really a lot in, in global population terms. And right now, or look at in Glycerin, a drug which lowers your cholesterol, like 40% of people on the planet, well, that's statistics, right? So you have above average uh, level of cholesterol, uh, which can influence that. So from a very niche, risky way of treating hundreds of people on the planet, in the last 10 years, we moved with these technologies we move to our ability to address population-wide population, uh, population -wide problems like COVID or you know, high cholesterol level or any other uh, large problems. And then as we discuss, as soon as we'll give an, you know, have an ability to alter like or influence longevity genes, it's gonna be a completely different game. So we, we're gonna see the opportunity to break the sound barrier of the maximum lifespan today. So that's one. Second is, is about organ regeneration. So if you uh, speak to our good friend, uh, Aubrey de Grey, he always talked that we need to move from biological view of human body and mind to more engineering view. And he used this old car metaphor that to extend the resource of old car, you just need to replace the parts. So I'm very optimistic about so many things which is happening in this uh, space, like Martin Rothblatt, she's mm -hmm. doing an amazing thing in, in United Therapeutics. We invested in a company uh, called Lightgenesis, the Pittsburgh base, the one which used our own lymph nodes yes. to regrow the liver. I'm actually very optimistic that in addition to liver, they're working on um, regrowing thymus, responsible for like immune system during our young age. And I do think that's, um, that's uh, super positive for our ability to live longer. But the interesting aspect of that, whatever company you take and longevity vision fund, um, it's, it's meant to optimize the current state or the current technology by 10, 20, not percent, but 
in terms of the times. So like affordable ultrasound devices, the company in, in your bold capital portfolio. Yeah, Echo. Yeah, yeah um, Echo Imaging. Yeah, it's going to decrease the cost of ultrasound diagnostic by a factor of 20 to 50 times. Oh, that's amazing. And again, this uh, organ regeneration technology from Lightgenesis will give us an opportunity to decrease the cost of... Um, liver transplantation it's not even gonna be liver transplantation by a factor of 20 to 30 times so that's yeah. amazing and they starting human trials um this quarter i don't think people realize how much uh is in development right now how many incredible technologies and companies are in preclinical in phase one phase mm. two phase three and are rolling out um it is it is shocking right i mean uh Again, CRISPR technologies, gene therapy, Wnt pathway manipulations, uh, stem cells, um, all of these are really about revitalizing, yeah. uh, uh, re-energizing yeah. the body. Exactly. So when I when people ask me for analogy, I'm I'm saying that longevity is the next cancer. I mean, a positive way. Mm -hmm. We're right in the middle of winning the war against cancer, and it's simply because we for the last ten years we've been spending hundred billion dollars in terms of R&D, like research and development money, in trying to solve a cancer problem. So this is going to happen with age reversal and longevity as well. And think about this. It's all about just uh, quantity um, of the people and companies who and, and scientists who are trying to solve this problem. And it's always the case that quantity goes into quality. So we will have in 10 to 20 years time our ability to influence our longevity to us to extend the most vital stage of our life going to be exponentially increased and it's going to be completely different. So some people might say um, this sounds like something only available for the wealthy. Mm. Uh, and so let's address that uh, because that isn't going to be true in the long term. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I, I don't, well, I do think actually that uh, all of the new technologies and pieces of science uh, that we, that were just invented and created, they always start on the expensive side. They but can... then in like in 10 to 20 years time, they becoming, uh, well, like really affordable commodity in a way. So think about smartphones. They, 20, 25 years ago, it was just, they were like really heavy, 10 to 20,000 bucks per piece. They didn't work well. Yeah, yeah at all. Uh, but uh, right now, remember when we went to Shenzhen on our innovation, I think it was innovation boards, mm -hmm. uh, tree back in 2018 for $9. You can, on Shenzhen electronic market, you can buy a smartphone. Yeah. $9, that's... Yeah. And, and this is the same uh, we've seen over and over again in technologies. In the beginning, when it doesn't work well, it's super expensive mm. and only the wealthy buy it. But then by the time it is demonetized and democratized, it's available for everybody. And, and these treatments, you know, a lot of these are small molecules or cellular medicines. I mean... Uh, they're not going to be expensive. I don't want to make a price prediction, but it would it would shock me if the cost of these things aren't dollars, you know, or tens of dollars. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like today, to discover colon cancer, if you use Cologuard, it's nineteen dollars, one nine, yeah. right? And it's in certain cases, it's exactly the same efficiency as doing much more expensive invasive procedure, right? 
on the sedation. And uh, yeah, I was really surprised. So I had a call with Human Longevity mm -hmm. where we all doing our annual checkups and I'm like saying, guys, what do I do with colon cancer? And they're like, forget it, Sergey. it's just $19 test that you do afterwards and that's it. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of that. And again, every company that we're investing in is looking at to decrease the cost of, of existing treatment, existing intervention by a factor of 10, 20, 50 times. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of affordable and accessible aspect of that. And then let's address another question. People say, well, hey, if everybody's living, you know, an extra 100 years, mm -hmm. what happens to the world's population? Aren't you worried about a population explosion? Yeah, so uh, I'm just looking at this from a very different perspective. So if you look at the recent studies, the with the current reproduction rates, which are falling all around the world, probably with the exception of African continent, um, we, world population, going to peak around 10 or 11 billion around 2050, and then it's going to decline. China, by the end of this century, China will lose uh, 600 million people. So the China population will go from 1.4 to 800 million people. So unless we address that and we extend human productive life, we're going to be in trouble. So I do think it's not like an option for us. It's just uh, a necessary lever uh, for us to address. And again, what is important, we want people to live in a healthy and happy state, in a very productive stage of their life. And that's, um, that's the point. So I'm not, and I do think if you look at the old books and the last few centuries, we've always been concerned about overpopulation. So it's not something really new. Yeah, I, I just did a, uh, a webinar with Elon Musk when we were announcing our $100 million carbon removal XPRIZE. And I knew his answer, but mm -hmm. I wanted other people to hear it. I said, you know, what do you think of overpopulation? And he said, listen, the biggest problem we're going to face is a population crash. Yeah. And I, I think we'll probably peak closer to nine and a half billion. Um, but uh, you're right. If you look at the US below the replacement rate, Japan is, parts of Europe are, um, you know, the average around the world used to be six children per family. It's down mm -hmm. to 2.4. Oh, yeah. And and so uh, imagine what the benefits are if instead of at 65, you retired at the top of the game, if you had an extra 30 plus years or more productive, that's the biggest GDP gain that every country exactly. could have. Exactly. I agree with you. And then with decoupling of um, reproduction part of our life from, you know, being limited by, you know, number of years that we have. Uh, you know, we have an opportunity to have more kids exactly at this stage of their life that we really want them and we can support them as well. So just another yeah. avenue for that. No, it's so, so true. What are some of the challenges or things to watch out for uh, in the AI brain integration? Because you get into that conversation as well. Yeah. Look, I'm probably not the best guy to uh, discuss that. And, but I do think we, we just need to change the like a mindset that we use when we look at the progress in this uh, regard. So then people looking at New Orleans, they're just afraid that um, the future will look like, you know, uncontrollable for them. Uh, they're going to be over-dependent from AI or computer, which is integrated with their brain. Uh, but I do think it's, it's always helpful to think about, so what are the parts of population 
who really need this technology. And again, this is where we started. We're facing the wave of another killer monster, which is um, generative disease, right? Alzheimer's, dementia. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly speaking, we are at stage one in terms of even understanding that where it starts, why is that happening, how we address that, how we treat that as well. So I do think that uh, human brain AI integration or brain computer integration is a way forward to support people in a very late stage of their life when they're suffering from neurogenerative diseases. And uh, if you reframe what is happening in this space with these lenses, it's becoming a very positive problem to solve. All right, pal, this has been amazing. We're, we're nearing the end. I want to go back to the the hacks, the lifestyle yeah. hacks to give people uh, you know, a wake-up call because we're going to be having the ability to live longer, more vibrant lives. But your mission is, like we said, not to die from something stupid in the interim and to intercept those technologies, which are coming this decade. So uh, let's share some of our favorite lifestyle hacks. You share yours, I'll share mine. Yeah, okay. So um, so obviously we discuss like annual checkups. Yeah. Just go like- So what, I go to yeah. I go to, uh, to the health nucleus at HLI. Yeah. Yeah. I go to Fountain Life. And again, these are places that you go that you digitize and upload yourself, right? Your full body MRI, your coronary CT, your uh, genomics, transcriptomics. 21 samples of blood. Yeah. yeah. And it's to find out. So the thing that's important people to realize is most of us walk around thinking we're fine. Mm -hmm. We're ignorant of what's really yeah. going on inside yeah. our body until you get to the hospital and or I've got this pain. What does it mean? And so your job is to find any disease at the very beginning, at mm -hmm. stage zero. Yeah when you can intercept. So that's one. Yeah, but, okay. I agree. And, and I think it's the importance of that you can look at dynamics of it. So I have five years of history in human longevity. Yeah. So right now, like if you do a snapshot of my brain today, they were like, well, Sergey, this is all fine. We're just concerned about these two kind of white spots. But they're like, don't worry. We're going to compare the dynamic of that in the last five years. So yeah. if this is developing, you need to address that. If not, yeah. uh, then you you okay. We I don't think we need to cover like the smoking, drunk, and alcohol I mean, thing. I think it's obvious, yeah. I think that's obvious. And, and being overweight as well yeah. is, is It's a, a huge risk and COVID numbers, yeah. mortality numbers show it to us. So then diet-wise, I think there's, there's a lot of disagreement in academic circle what actually extends our life. And there's like one agreement, even the most skeptical yes, one. There's, like one, Aubrey, there's yeah. one thing, everybody, yeah. listen carefully. There's yeah. one thing. Yeah, which on is diet. caloric restriction. And I think it's like, it, which basically decreasing the calories that you consume by probably 20 to 25%. It's very easy to say. It's actually extremely difficult to implement because you need to live with this kind of discipline every day well i was going to say one other different thing mm -hmm. i was going to say get rid of sugar oh yeah yeah i mean if calorie restriction is is fine and i i you know we're recording this at uh at noon i uh, don't eat breakfast i have a cup of coffee and i drink a lot of water through the morning and then uh you know i will fast from 7 p.m till you know typically 1 or 2 mm -hmm. p.m and then i'll eat between 2 and 7 so a five hours so it's 19 19 off, five on, that's the way to yeah. do it. But the single most important thing. Yeah, well, this is the part of caloric restriction as well. Get rid of sugar. Yeah, yeah. Sugar so that's, is white that's the easiest yeah. lever for you to decrease. What I was about to say that it's, while it's easy to say, just difficult to implement on, on a consistent basis, so getting rid of sugar, yeah. it's like it's taking out a lot of calories 
from your life and and your body. So that's one. Second, being heavily plant based yes. is great because yeah, vegetables are so yeah, in, in in intensive in terms of the calories. And like even if you consume like the whole table of calories, you're still gonna be fine. It's actually it gives you the opportunity to avoid industrial meat and farmed fish which are full of uh, growth hormones, uh, antibiotics, uh, equally bacteria as well. So that's that's on the diet side. Yeah. And the, the next one mm-hmm. I would throw out is uh, being sleep is probably one of the most important. My goodness. Uh, I mean, you obviously know Matthew Walker. And yeah. and uh, when I, and, and I think it was your advice to read his book, Why We Sleep. Yeah. While before that, I was just using sleep hours as like endless credit of how little hours I can sleep every day to to try to manage so many yeah. things in my life. And this book, it's basically changed my whole premise. Right now, my rule, eight hours in the bed, which is seven hours of sleep. Yeah. And I'm working like a hell to improve the quality of my sleep and measuring this like with yeah. order ink and, right. and your other variables are super important because this consistent and regular feedback loop gives you an opportunity to manage uh, sleep. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I target eight hours of sleep. So it's typically for me, it's eight, eight and a half hours in bed and shooting for seven, seven and a half, eight hours of actual sleep. And you can't improve what you don't measure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I just wanted to bring a quote from uh, Jack Cradle who runs Human Performance Optimization Clinic in London. First time we met, we're having a lunch and he started with uh, and I'm like, what's your number one advice on that? He said, Sergey, every evening we have an opportunity to visit the most powerful clinic in the world. We go to bed and we sleep. Mm. And I was, oh, wow, that's a wonderful way to put that. Uh, last one that I want us to hit on uh, to influence people is exercise. And uh, let me just add to what you said earlier. It is, you know, I think of sitting as the new smoking. Right, so I have a walking desk, uh, and I will take my calls, my zooms, my emails uh, from that walking desk, and I do shoot for ten thousand steps. I measure that my Apple Watch or my Aura Ring, and at the end of the day, it's just do something. If you can get out and walk, get out and walk. If you, you know, I'm every morning I get up, I do push-ups, I do sit-ups, I have some dumb dumbbells by my bed. I, I'll do those. And it makes a difference. One of your measures of, uh, you know, your chance of longevity is your muscle mass. Yeah. Right. Uh, loss of muscle is a bad thing. Maintaining your muscle mass is so critical. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, well, it's just amazing how many habits that we can change. So pre-COVID, I just uh, decided that I, I do majority of my Zoom calls. Uh, on the road while I'm walking, and it's it's been really amazing. So I have very strong uh, right hand now because I'm, <laughs> I'm holding my hand uh, all the time. But uh, seriously, it just in in some of the days I was just walking like half marathon. Uh, so that's that's been amazing improvement in that. Well, Sergey, um, thank you for your support of the X Prize on our innovation board. Thank you for seeding the development work on our age reversal X Prize, which I'm super excited about. And we'll report on that as it develops further. Thank you for uh, your new book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young by Sergey Young. Uh, thank you for Longevity Vision Fund. Thank you for being my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thank Sergey you. Young. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, everyone. Stay healthy and happy.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.